0: Okay, good morning. Glad to have you all here. Good Let's go ahead and open up in prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you so much, Lord, for this day, and thank you so much for all that you do for us each and every day. Thank you for the sunny weather, Lord, and thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. Continue this blessing watching over us, bless the service today, Lord, and continue just helping us all, Lord, just to learn from your word and to grow and become closer to you. For Jesus, I pray, amen. And for our first song, I ask you to turn to number 305, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary. promises.
1: Um, yard sale and I have someone that will head that up for us, so we are going to do it and um, I think that was the weekend, the 22nd, 23rd um, of October so it gives us a lot of time and just so you know, it's not um, raising money for the church because we support the church through our tithes and offerings, but it's for each of you to if you want to clear out your stuff and bring it together and we'll do it as a church family and you can sell your stuff. We did this in the past, Cindy had organized it, so we're gonna try doing that again and um, we'll give you more information as we go along on that. Also, we still are gonna have our um, Halloween alternative too, which will be a Friday night, and that's October 29th, I think. And we'll have more information on that as we go along. Um, and one more thing, I, I got a call yesterday um, some of you may remember Carol Mathias that sat over there just about where, Car- where Colleen and Clara are. Um, she's the one that had open heart surgery and we were praying for her. She passed away yesterday. So just so you know that, please pray for her son is um, Dan Matthias. So he's gonna be coming and cleaning his mom's house out and stuff. So if you could just remember their family in prayer. Um, and also I have a I'm talking. Um, please, I'm going to really ask you to really please pray for my husband. He's not speaking today because, as you know, he's been in so much pain. And the only time that I've heard him speak is when he preaches. This is going on seven weeks of not eating and not talking, and at home. This is so. I just want you to know how serious it is. So would you please pray? Because Tuesday we have an appointment with a dermatologist, and I'm bound to determine I'm not going to leave there till we get some answers or at least somebody to help me follow up because we're kind of, we don't know what to do. So would you pray the Lord would help us and give us wisdom and direction and give us a wise doctor that won't just medicate with pain and and, and leave us. So really appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, accessibility for announcements. Before we go to our next song, could,
1: could we there. pray for? Could we pray for
2: him?
0: Okay. Could, could we take yeah. and pray for the okay. Would anybody like to pray for Pastor? Yes. Okay. Who we said yes? Okay. And also for Carolyn, anyone want to play for, pray okay. for Carolyn's family?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Before I say it, turn to our next song, there's a song we, we we need to sing, but it's not in our hymnal. It's Happy Birthday, because we have two birthdays this t- t- one for today, which is Cynthia's, and then Charla's birthday is tomorrow. So we have two birthdays to sing for. So can, stand up. can we all stand for this, yeah. <laughs> Cynthia, and Charla? Okay, let's go. Happy birthday to you.
3: Happy birthday to
0: you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, Okay, next song is a couple of pages back to three eighty five. I see you to turn to number 357 and please stand for this one. Tell me the story of Jesus. <laughs> Best. Brother John, come give us the message for today.
2: All right.
3: Very good. All righty. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's good to see you folks out this morning. And before we begin I'm going to take a count because I got to take a count. Okay, one more. Okay thank you. Uh, can I ask a question, uh, Cynthia? Uh, that, um, the Matthias family, was that Dan Matthias? Dan Matthias, okay. Okay, very well. Thank you. All righty. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Job. As you can see right here, I, uh, this is going to kind of be a quasi-preaching uh, and teaching. Um, I used to do Sunday school here. Several years ago, I'm going we'll trip over that thing, but Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. Okay, we're we'll going to go through the whole book backwards, 42 to chapter one. It's good to see. Uh, it's to, good to see uh, birthdays, celebrating birthdays again. That's, that's wonderful. I was going. I was going to come up with a suggestion of having the birthday person and persons uh, singing. Uh, Singing a solo, duet, trio, quartet, but you know what? My birthday's coming up too, and I don't want anybody to know about that, and uh, you don't want to hear me sing a solo, because guess what? You'll be running for the doors. Pat and I were talking about that this morning. That would not be good. Psalm, excuse me, Job chapter 42. All right. Uh, When I teach, just so you know, when I I teach here, uh, I typically uh, ask questions. You know, our Lord and Savior, when he was here on earth, he asked a lot of questions. I was just reading in the book of Job, uh, the book of Job. it's on my mind this morning, the book of Luke. And uh, I don't know if you remember, back in Luke chapter 10, I think it is, or something like that, I was reading this week, and, and, and uh, a ruler uh, came to him and asked him, Master, what should I do to inherit what? Eternal life, okay? And Jesus asked him a question, came right back at him and asked him a question, how does the, how does the law read? And you know what? It forced that young man to answer the Lord Jesus Christ and finding out exactly what was on his heart and what is on his mind, what he thought. Okay, and so uh, a good teacher uh, asks questions of their students. And I see a lot of students sitting out there this morning in the, in the auditorium. So I may ask you a question. However, I was going to give you guys a special dispensation and just have uh, three people answer my questions this morning. I'll take a, I'll take a vote of uh, confidence on that. And that is... My wife, my son-in-law, and my daughter. What do you think? All th- those three will answer every question that I have. <laughs> I see my wife shaking her head. So I guess that's off often, if I want to eat this afternoon, I guess that's off the uh, table. Anyways, we're going to begin with the book of Job. But before we do that, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for today. And thank you for your word. And Lord, no matter what we go through in our lives, even as the man Job did, Lord, we can trust you, and that's the, that's the result and the, and the end result that Job came to in his life, uh, that indeed he served a God that was trustworthy. In fact, I- indeed he began that in his life, and Lord, I pray that as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in his grace, even as uh, he said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is, that indeed he came to the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul had Addressed him, I guess, three times, I believe it was, to remove the thorn in the flesh that he had. And the Lord Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for thee. And so I pray that uh, you'd help us to see, indeed, in the trials and the sufferings that we go through in life, indeed, that uh, your grace is there. And indeed, I just pray that you'd help us to trust you. I pray you bless, Lord, now as we open your word. I pray for uh, Dan Matthias and uh, I pray for our pastor. Pray for his wife and just pray to strengthen these folks and, and uh, Lord, only you know exactly what they're going through. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, even this morning, perhaps this lesson would be uh, an encouragement to them, an encouragement to us all to trust our Savior even more. In His name, we pray. Amen. In Job chapter 42, um, basically when I begin a lesson in teaching, this, like I said, this is going to be like a, a, mi- a mixture between teaching and preaching. But uh, when you go through, when I begin a book or begin a lesson or something like that, um, I usually introduce the person and so forth. And we find here that it's Job. And what I like to do when I begin preaching and t- well, teaching and so forth and studying a book, like the study of, uh, of the book of Job, this is the second time I'm starting to go through the book of Job. I, I love the book of Luke, I love the book of Job, I love uh, the book of uh, Hebrews. Uh, and I go through them uh, several times. And this is the second time I've been going through Job. But what I do when I, when I uh, study a book, I like, what I like to do is I like to list all the people, all the characters on, in this drama, if you will. Okay? And so in this drama we have here in, in the book of Job, we have obviously God. He's involved. We have Job, obviously. We have his children. We have his wife. I don't know if you folks ever read the book of Job, but his wife uh, plays an integral part. Uh, in, in Job's life. We have his three buddies, his three quote-unquote friends. I put that in, in air quotes because when you have fellas that sit down, you wonder about, you never, what's that term that they say or that phrase that they say? When you have enemies like that, who needs friends or something like that? When you have friends like that, who needs enemies? Well, that's kind of like how Job's friends were. Uh, they were basically busting on him all the time, thinking that he was a sinner, which, which we all are, obviously. And we have Elihu who inserts himself in Job chapter 32. Uh, we, don't see, we don't hear too much negative about him in, 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 the, uh, in Job, uh, in, the, in the book of Job. And then we obviously have Satan here, okay? So those are, those are the characters, and if I missed one, let me know after the, after the service. But we have here Job. And uh, Job means, the word Job means hated or much persecuted. Uh, in my reading, some of the commentators said that there's a possibility That Job was a nickname that some that uh, some of the folks gave to Job. I don't I don't know the the veracity of that, but I'm going to leave that stand. But nonetheless, um, that his friends perhaps gave him that uh, nickname and uh, and for his suffering during his suffering. And Job is the title of the book in the Hebrew. It's in all the books: uh, Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, and also the English Bibles. We have the Book of Job. Uh, When did Job live? Okay, for the most part, we find that Job lived in the, in, uh, the patriarchal era, age of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'd like you to invite you to, to turn to uh, Job chapter 42. And one of the things the writer of Job does, and we don't, like I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you, that we do not know exactly who wrote the book of Job. Okay, there's no definitive mark in there. Okay? There's no definitive answer for that. Okay, but nonetheless, the writer of Job, and look at uh, uh, Job forty two sixteen. We find that in the patriarchal era, era, I should say, when Abraham and Terah and Isaac and Jacob lived, they, their ages were indicative of the time frame in which they lived. And look at uh, Job chapter 42 and verse 16. And what does it say? It says, After this Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So we see that Job is 140 years or thereabouts and so forth. So it's kind of uh, what, the, what, what commentators and, uh, and scholars say, internal evidence that uh, Job lived during this time. And then look at uh, Job chapter 42 and verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. Uh, many times, I should say, if you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll find... That Abraham's wealth and other patriarchs, their wealth was identified in the number of cattle, if you will, that they had in their possession. And so with Job, and that's another indication, according to the scholars, that this is a patriarchal person. And then go to Job chapter 42:15, And it says right there, and in all the land there were no women because God had given him, given uh, Job uh, daughters and sons again. And it says there in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Key word in that, thing, in that verse there is the word inheritance. You won't find that in the law time. Okay, In the time of the Mosaic law, there was no such thing. So that's another indication that this, that this person, Job, lived during the patriarchal time. One man, and it's kind of interesting, one man said that Job perhaps is the oldest book In the the world, in the world. So I thought that was quite interesting. I I don't know for sure, but I thought that was a quite interesting statement. And then look at uh, uh, chapter 42, verse 11. Chapter 42, verse 11. And I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe I should ask you a question. Maybe I will ask you a question. Maybe get some uh, folks to think. In, In 42, verse 11, it says, Then came there unto him all the brethren... And all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread and with him in his house, and they bemoaned him, and they comforted him over all the evil that, that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. The, 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 term, the phrase piece of money, it's, uh, there's only two times that it's, that word is used, the Hebrew word is used. And that is here in Job. And then also, when, uh, if you remember, um, when Joseph, oh, let me ask you this, quick. If, I was in a, if I was in a class, Joseph, before Joseph passed away in Genesis chapter 50, okay, in verse 25, I think it was, somewhere in that area, I was reading this week, he gave a command to the children of Israel. Does anybody know what that command was? They were supposed to take something with them when they left Egypt. Does anybody remember what it was? Jenny, his bones, exactly right, well this here, he, this, this, uh, this, this piece of money here, what he's talking about here is Jacob bought a property, okay, from Shechem, okay, uh, and there's some other people involved, their names, I can't remember all their names, but in Shechem, okay, that he bought that for a certain, I think 100 pieces of silver or something like that, and in Joshua 24, they make mention of that, and also uh, in Genesis chapter 50 makes mention of his command to take his bones up. So these things here and then also let's go back to Genesis chapter excuse me Job chapter 1 let's go back to Job chapter 1 and there's one other thing that kind of indicates at least this one commentator this one conservative scholar said in Job chapter 1 and verse number 15 and 17 in 15 the Bible says and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away, yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am only escaped alone to tell thee. This, this is one of the servants coming back to Job and, and re- reporting to him about his loss of his children. And in verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, that the Chaldeans made out with three bands and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. So in verse 15 and also in, um, in verse number 17, talking about the oxen and the camels and so forth, the, the, the one man, the one commentator was mentioning the fact that the Sabians and the Chaldeans, this, this, these are indications that they were nomads. If you know what a nomad is, a nomad just runs around, you know, in the desert and kills people and captures things. And that's exactly what these folks were doing. Well, the Chaldeans and the Sabians were not nomads. Uh, they were nomads during the patriarchal, patriarchal time, I should say. Okay? So those are indications that uh, this is a patriarchal time that Job lived in. Okay? Um, so just some, just some truths to, to chew on. Um, who's the writer? Like I said, from the patriarchal period, Job himself is a candidate. Most conservative scholars consider him perhaps... The man Elihu, there's a few scholars that said Elihu may have uh, have written the book of Job. Uh, it seems like it was written, obviously, by a person who is there on the scene and, and observant of this. Jewish scholars believe that Moses wrote it. Some people even claim to uh, uh, assume perhaps that Solomon, Hezekiah, Isaiah, Ezra have written the book, but there's, like I said, there's no one knows for sure. Uh, and most Conservative scholars believe that Job wrote it himself, okay? What's the purpose of this book, okay? What's the purpose? Uh, when you think of the book of Job, what's the, what's the one word that you think of? <clears throat> Starts with an S. Suffering. <laughs> oh, that's another thing i got to tell you about. Sometimes I brutalize the English language, so I may not be able to spell up here correctly so if I do that I apologize if you're an English major and you get offended at my spelling let me know after the service and I'll I'll go to correct that the following week or whatever it may be all right suffering but there's a little bit of difference Um, there's a little bit of a difference okay and um, the book, I think, in my opinion, as I've gone through it twice, and many other scholars too, I'm not considering myself a scholar or nothing, but no, nonetheless, they agree that, there's, that the, the book of Job is much more deep than just talking about suffering. Yes, Job did go through suffering. I mean, you talk about a gentleman here, a, a believer in the Lord, and he loses all of his children and all of his wealth. Now, you think about that. Um, if you lost all of your family and all of your wealth, okay, in a short period of time, how would you be feeling right about now, okay? I understand that the book of Job is dealing with suffering, but there's a lot, of, there's a lot more items or uh, things that are being talked about. Uh, many questions, you know, about um, why do afflictions, excuse me, why do afflictions upon afflictions befall the righteous man? Talking about suffering here. Uh, this is the question that, and the answering of which is made the theme of the book of Job. But I think also, I came across this, and I'm going to put it down here. I think, as, and I agree with, there's a few gentlemen on God's ways, and primarily God's ways of dealing with men, okay? Usually, typically, when we think about the Old Testament, we think sometimes, you know, that that, if, and, and this followed through into the New Testament, because if you look at... Uh, That one parable I was reading this week, and it was in Luke, uh, where it talked about where the Jewish leaders and even the uh, the disciples themselves believed that if you were wealthy, that means you must be under God's what? Blessing, okay? Well, that's not necessarily the truth, okay? That's not necessarily true. And so God's ways are inspected here in this book. And if you read carefully, you can see the way God... acts and interacts with humans, okay? And that's very, very important in this book. And then also, one man said this, besides displaying one man's faith in God in times of suffering, the book of Job also has a missionary purpose. A missionary purpose. For Job, the world around him needed a testimony, just like our world needs a testimony from us. And many times the things that you and I go through as Christians, whether it be suffering, whether it be good times, whatever the case may be, the outside world and the unbelievers around you are observing your life, and they're observing my life. And guess what? You know what they see behind? It's almost like, I can't think of this, I'm in the technical world, but if you look behind the person, you see me, and look behind the person, guess what they see? They see Christ same thing they see for you okay they see how you act and react to trouble and suffering in your life the same thing is true in Job's life okay and I agree with this gentleman here that uh, it has a missionary purpose that perhaps God was having a witness to the world through Job's life and I just ask you the question yourself and that is uh, what missionary purpose are you going through right now? And you know, I'm talking. Obviously, we think about the pastor going through his struggles, with his with his tongue and, and everything else, and uh, and his accident and so forth. But I mean, you can deal with the whole congregation here because we all have struggles and trials that come into our life, whatever to whatever degree they may be. Okay, at one time or another, everyone experiences trials and suffering. Everyone does. But the problem is, is that what happens to us, and I'm gonna I'll put this in blue. I like colors. That's I love colors. And if if you if you've been in one of my Sunday school classes before, you know, you know I, I love colors. You know, anyways, if you, well if, I'll tell you, I'll show you right now. I love colors. See this right here? Colors. See? Colors. Anyways, what happens when you and I go through suffering? A lot of times you and I sink into what it's a very dangerous situation to be. And what's that dangerous situation to be? I'll put it over here. It's called Self-pity, okay? Have you ever had self-pity? You know self-pity? Um, self-pity's chains are very heavy, and they'll drag you down and drown you in a very quick moment if you're not careful. You've got to be very careful to what they call nip it in the bud when it starts. And I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I, the more I, as, as a young Christian, I've dealt with this self-pity, I'm, I, and I believe you too, Okay? But as I've grown older older in the Lord, the quicker you nip it in the bud, the self-pity in the bud, and nip the head off, if you will, um, guess what? It's better for you in your Christian life. Um, It's it's better to repent right away, and as soon as you see yourself sinking in these chains of self-pity, it's a very dangerous situation to be in. Um, And sometimes, and I'll put this in green, okay? Sometimes, probably. Most times when we go through a uh, um, thing, we look for uh, an explanation. See, my handwriting is not too good either, just so you know. See that N? See that N right there? Not good. See that? I get chewed up by somebody in the, in the English class or whatever handwriting class. Anyways, sometimes we look for explanations. Have we ever looked for explanations as to, we ask the big question, the three-letter question, W-H-Y? Why? Why, Lord, are you bringing me through this? Why are you taking me through all this trouble? You know? Well, perhaps it's, like we said there, a missionary purpose. But God does have a purpose in bringing you through these things. Okay? And if you look for an explanation, uh, you need to be very careful about that because your explanation may be centered in self-pity and adding a link to your heavy chain that will drag you down. The book of Job records the troubling questions... I wrote these down, the troubling questions, because he did have questions. Job had questions. And it's no, it's no problem to question God, to ask him a question. No, no problem with him. I, I believe anyways, okay? Um, but you've got to be careful when you ask those questions. Also, in terrifying doubts. You ever have doubts? <laughs> I remember years ago, I was going through doubting of my salvation. Well, I tell you what, that's terrifying to do that, and doubting other things as well. And sometimes it's very terrifying. I'll tell you what, the Satan likes, to, likes to, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? He likes to play on our emotions and work us up and so forth. And you know what? Whenever you get worked up in emotions and so forth, you cannot think straight. You cannot think straight. That is why God wants us to meditate upon his word and about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that is a calming experience when you do that. And it gives you a a clearer mind to think. Because what does the scripture say? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay? God does not want us walking around in fear. Okay? He wants us to walk around with a clear mind. And when we go through suffering and trials, uh, we sometimes, Satan likes to cloud our thinking. Okay? And also anguish. Okay? Also anguish. The book of Job can help us in the time when we are surrounded with troubles. Um, oh, I just wrote this little term down here. Our world crashes in. I, when I do these notes and stuff like that, I just write things down, you know, and I, I expect myself to remember. But I'm 60-some years old now. You know what? The old memory doesn't fly like it used to, you know? I used to be able to do that when I used to teach before, but new we now? But our world crashes in. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and it reminds me, <laughs> thankfully, You're in a a suffering time of suffering and trials and so forth. It seems like your world is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller, and your bubble is collapsing around you. Okay, well, you know what? God wants to inflate that bubble and spread it out and give you a time of peace. But that's a a time of trust that we need to go through. One man said this. Um, He said this. He said, the fact of suffering undoubtedly constitutes the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith and has in every generation its distribution and degree appear to be entirely random and therefore unfair. And I agree with that statement. Because you and I go through, I mean, I I remember in the past, and unfairly so, okay, sinfully so in in my respect, okay, is that I see people going through trials and tribulations, and I was going through trials and tribulations, and guess what? I was wondering, why aren't those people going through the same trials that I'm going through? Do you understand what I'm saying? We, We love, one of the things that, one thing that bothers me the most in my own life is that I hate that term or that phrase, excuse me, I hate that term, misery loves what? Boy, and I'll tell you, Christians learn that so well. I learned, put it this way, I learned that so well in my life. And let me tell you, when that misery loves company comes into my mind, my, my brain, guess what? That's just like in suffering and, and having that self-pity. We've got to cut it off and nip it in the head and the bud. Because if you don't, it starts that chain link again and it drags you down and you start drowning and so forth. And he says this. Sensitive spirits ask if it can be possibly, if it can possibly be reconciled with God's justice and love, and that is what we start questioning when we start having self-pity and having that attitude of misery loves company. We start questioning God's justice and His love, and the key word in his, this man's phrase is distribution and degree appear, seems to be. Okay, there's a lot of perception problems among us Christians. When we go through suffering and trials, we perceive things wrongly. We don't perceive those things according to God's word. Okay? We just don't. And guess what? When you don't perceive things correctly, guess what? You cannot dis- 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 distinguish into certain things correctly either. Okay? Okay. Um, it's, I, it's, it's amazing to me, and I, I think Pastor could probably, because he's the resident theologian around here, but. A lot of um, critics, they question even the historicity of Job, okay? Was Job a real person, okay? Well, a lot of times what we do is we go back to the New Testament and so forth and find that indeed people in the New Testament uh, record, you know, that there was a Job. And in fact, we're going to be going to that. Go take your Bibles and go to the book of James, the book of James chapter 5. This is the only place in the New Testament where the book of James excuse me, where, the, where Job is located at. And I apologize to you folks um, because of the fact that when I teach Sunday school, um, I used to always get on my, on my, when I taught Christian day school, um, I used to have a gun, okay? A homemade wooden gun. And I used to have it on my wall. And you know what that gun was? It was a rabbit gun. So if the kids ever got me, if the kids ever got me on a rabbit trail or they tried to get it on a rabbit trail, you know what? I used to walk over to the wall and pick that gun up and walk around with the gun and swing it on my finger and so forth. And, I, you know, I wouldn't point it at them because I, it's, not, it's dangerous to do that. But nonetheless, I would say, you know what this is? <laughs> I remember the first time using it in court. these 7th and 8th grade squirrels. I, mean, I used to call them squirrels. They were. They were squirrels. I said, you know what this is? And they, they got a good kick out of it, you know. But you know what? The first time I quit their, cut, cut their rabbit trail short, they didn't like that too much. But anyways, but anyway, I go on rabbit trails, and I find myself going on rabbit trails just like now, so I apologize for that. But I apologize if you think this is a rabbit trail. To me, it's not, because it's very pertinent to our situation here. In James chapter 5, we have, I'm going to read some scripture here. James chapter 5 and verse 1. This was very interesting when I was studying it this week. And that is, because this, this is the passage where James mentions uh, Job. But nonetheless, and I, went, I was reading through this. And I'm thinking to myself, "Man, oh man, thinking about these first-century Christians, what that, what they went through." Are you, are you, I thought to myself, "I was just going to go down to James chapter five, verse eleven, where Job, was, where Job was mentioned." But then I got to reading, I got to reading the book of James. and I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, look at the James chapter five. Let's start in verse number one. How do you like that?" For for a little bit of traction here. Go to now, ye rich men. Now think about all the things that these rich men are doing to the Christians here in first century. Okay? And think about that. What they're doing. Let's see what, we, what they do. It says, go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is canker. Boy, not a good scene, is it? Okay? And the rest of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have re- heaped treasure together for the last days. Ooh, what's that? You know what that is? You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Is he talking about the last days when Christ is going to come? No. He's talking about your retirement account. That's what he's talking about. Are we heaping treasures for our last days? You know what I mean? That's nothing wrong with having a retirement account. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future and planning to the the end of your life. That's no problem. But if your treasures become your God, then there's a big problem with God, if you know what I mean. Let's continue on. You have heaped treasures together for your last days. That means you have a great retirement plan. You're sitting there nice and cozy in your uh, recliner watching football in September and everything, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. And you say like that, you say like that rich fuel, rich fool in Luke chapter twelve. What did the rich fool say? He looked around and he saw his barns and he saw his fields and he had plenty. God had blessed him with plenty. And what did he say? Soul, you have much goods. What am I gonna do, soul? I know what I'll do. I'll tear everything down and big bigger barns. And then I'll put my stuff in, my seed and everything, and my grain in the big barns and the big silos. Okay, but what did God say at that night? He said, pardon? That's right. He says, Rich, he says, thou fool. He goes, this night, your soul is going to be required of thee. We don't know when our soul will be required of us by the Lord. He says, thou fool. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You guys stay right there. Don't, don't get excited here. Let me go back to Luke here real quick. Luke chapter 12, because I love this statement here. What the Lord says, he was given the parable in Luke chapter 12. Bear with me a second. See, has an arm on these rabbit trails. Don't blame me. Blame the Lord, because guess what? He's the one that leads me on this kind of stuff. Anyways, it says here, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Okay? That's what Jesus said to the rich fool. Okay? But in James chapter 5, that is one thing he's concerned about here with these first century Christians. Let's continue. Behold, the hire of of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which which is of you, kept back by fraud. You see that? He had workers, and they were working. They were earning wages, and guess what? He defrauded them of their income, of their pay. God doesn't look kind, too kindly on that. Crieth, these folks, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth. Ooh, how you like that? And been wanton. That means they had no cares. No cares, okay? You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Think about that statement. What does that say? What do you, what is, when, when you, when you have an animal and you're intending to slaughter that animal to gain its, its meat and to harvest its meat, what do you do to it? You fatten it up, don't you? That's why you see all these steer running around these fields down there eating and stuff like that, you know, <clears throat> pigs and whatever, okay? I wish the deer would get fatter around here. would be nice. I'm a deer hunter. But anyways, that's the way it goes. But anyways, he says you fattened your heart. You fattened yourself with all these things of other people. You have condemned and killed. Look at that. You have condemned and killed the murderers, okay? The just. And he does not resist you. The people that are being murdered and being oppressed didn't, 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 uh, didn't go against him, didn't resist him. But look down at verse 7. Be patient. That's what James says to these folks. Be patient, therefore, brethren, and unto the coming of the Lord. Remember, the Lord is coming back. Okay. Behold, the husbandman, husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the, the early and latter rain. That is the one thing, I, man, when, that, when I read that, that struck my heart very well. And that is this. When we, you and I go through trials and tribulations like these first century Christians and like Job, God is looking for F-R-U-I-T in your life. He's looking for G-R-O-W-E-T-H, growth. No, no, it's not E-T-H, it's T-H. See that? I'm learning. I'm learning. I didn't put it on the board. I should have put it on the board. He's looking for fruit. and He's looking for growth. But what does he say there? Fruit of the earth. I believe that God is telling us here, not only, that, not only that he's telling about the husbandman, the farmer in that passage, I think God is looking for fruit in our life as well. You understand what I'm saying? Through the trials and the sufferings we go through. Verse number 8, be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. Boy, that, that's, that, that, that I couldn't figure out. How could you, When you go through trials and tribulations as a, as a band of brothers and sisters in Christ, You know, why would you want to grudge one another? Anyways, it says, uh, against another brethren, brethren, lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. Isn't that amazing? That no matter whether you're going trials and tribulations, like Job and like these folks here in the first century, the judge standeth at the door. The Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's a passage of Scripture. It doesn't say that if judgment begins at the what? House of God, what's the end of those that don't obey the Lord? I kind of wonder if that doesn't apply here in some kind of quasi way there, okay? Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets. And they were, if you read the Old Testament, you hear the prophets. They were very persecuted very, very, very much, okay? Who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Notice the, notice the number of times that James uses the word patience in this passage. He uses it over and over again. Behold, verse number 11, he says, We account them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience, there we get down, of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, okay, I won't go into that, but nonetheless... We find here these unrighteous people, these liars, these uh, murderers, and they're taking advantage of these believers, and James is telling them to have patience. The word patience there, um, let me take a drink of water here. Thank you. The word patience is, and I'm terrible with Greek sometimes. I'm telling you, the pastor knows a lot more. I mean, I'm just going from what I get out out of the Strong's Concordance. And it says, mak roth ume'o. Okay, get that one. Okay, the word patient there in verse number seven. Okay, and also that, that word is, a, is associated with these other words of patient. It has the idea of to be long-spirited. I get the idea from this. It says here that is objectively to be forbearing, to be patient, to endure, to be long-suffering. I get the idea that God wants us to have a long-burning Views, okay. Um, I, like, I like John Wayne movies sometimes. Okay. Uh, I don't like all of his movies, but I like some of them. And in this one movie that Pat, Pat doesn't like John Wayne, <coughs> but in this one war movie, I like war, war movies too. They, they, this is back in the Civil War, and they had this long burning fuse, man. They, lit this, they had this long fuse. They were going to blow up this bridge. And I'm telling you, they let this fuse, man, they gave him a chance to all these guys to cross the bridge, you know, before the thing. This fuse was long, man. It went forever, almost seems. But that's what God wants us to be. Long, have long, burning fuses as we bear under the trials and tribulations that come into our life. He says in verse number 8 to be patient, okay? To be patient. All right. Very well. Verse number 11. Look what he also says there. This is very. This is exciting. This week I was studying this. This is great. Verse number eleven. Behold, we count them happy which endure. We count them happy. Those three words. Count them happy. It has the. This that's the word is the is makarizo. You know what it means? It means to pronounce or esteem fortunate, a or call blessed or count happy. And it says to be to say count to be to count something or someone supremely blessed, okay? Uh, And by extension, fortunate or very well off. You know what he's saying there in that verse? He's saying there in verse, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You know, envy is a sin in our lives as Christians, is it not? God doesn't want us envying. And when you envy, you are what? Looking at another person's possessions or whatever it may be, and you wish you had them or whatever you get you get upset that they have something that you don't that is actually what this means from my understanding of the scripture here that's what this means you count them happy okay that or that which endure that means that you are looking around at your brothers and sisters in christ and you're seeing those brothers and sisters in christ enduring underneath that trial and tribulation and suffering and you are envious that you are not going through that. How you like that? When, was that? when was the last time that you envied somebody and wished you were going through trials and tribulations? I would chance to say, I don't think it happened. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't happen in my life sometimes, most times. Maybe all the time we could say. All right. But I was thinking about, I was thinking about when, I, when I read that verse and I, and I read what that, those words meant. It immediately took me back because I've been going through the book of Acts as well. In Acts chapter five, the the leaders, the Jewish leaders, arrested the apostles. They put them in prison. They put them in prison. Guess what? In the middle of the night, what? Who comes to rescue them? An angel. An angel comes and rescues these apostles. Takes them out and says, "Hey, I want you to go and I want you to go into the temple. I'm gonna start preaching tomorrow morning." So that's exactly what they do. They go into the temple and they start preaching. Guess what? The Jewish leaders says, "Hey." we put those guys in jail you know and he goes back and they they re-arrest them if you will and they bring him into the into the jewish leaders and they put them before the jewish leaders and uh they said then we command you to not preach in the name of the lord jesus christ but they didn't say the Lord; they said in the name of jesus okay but what did the apostles say we ought to obey god rather than men okay And then, guess what? That's when, if you remember correctly, that's when this uh, man comes up on the scene. His name is Gamaliel. You ever hear about Gamaliel? He comes on the scene. They actually, the uh, Jewish leaders actually wanted to kill the apostles. And Gamaliel said, wait wait a minute there, buddy. Wait a minute there, fellas. You know, if we kill these people, you know, I'll tell you what. He goes, why don't we just let them go and see what happens? Because, you know, remember these folks in the past, there was this one fellow, I can't remember his name, uh, and this group of people, whatever. That uh, we left them go, and guess what? They petered out and they went away, and we didn't have no trouble with it. Why not just let these people go? And if if it's God's will, and if if God is behind it, you're going to be finding yourself fighting against God. And then and the group of Jewish leaders said, "Okay, we'll let them go." <coughs> Excuse me. No water We're going to let them go. So they scourged them. They scourged them. And I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 5. And I'm going to read that for you and see and because I think it's great. I think it's great. Does anybody remember what happened in Acts chapter 5? What they said. It says, and to him this is verse 40 of chapter 5, talking about Gamaliel, the Jewish leaders. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. Now, that beaten, the word beaten there, you think that you just beat them with a little rod. In my estimation, that, that, that word there, I don't know what the name, I don't know what the word is. Maybe I have it down here, I'm not sure. I don't know if I do or not. No, I don't. But that word, when I looked it up, the word "beaten" there has the idea of scourging. Remember scourging? Who else got scourged? Our Lord and Savior got scourged. Not like this. I mean, these people didn't get scourged like our Lord did. That's for sure. This is where, that's that deal where they scourge you, they beat you, they whip you 39 times, save one, 40 times, save one, 39 times. That's this right here. And look what it says there in verse number 40. And 41 it says here and and beaten them they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of jesus and let them go and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing rejoicing they just got beaten and whipped 39 times rejoicing that they were counted what worthy that counted worthy they counted themselves they thought of themselves they rejoiced that they got whipped because they were counted worthy by the lord to suffer persecution, okay? I don't know if you ever witnessed to anybody and they come after you and they malign you with words and so forth. And um, sometimes I've had that in the past where I, I worked in a place long, long time ago. Uh, this was back in the early 80s down in Easton. And there was this one fella who was really nasty. And in fact, he, he, he treated people... Christians nast- nastily, and there were, weren't too many Christians around. And uh, but um, he, when I witnessed to him, he was with his buddies, and his one buddy, and I was talking to him about. Um, I still remember that guy. The last, the one fellow's name was Raider, his last name, and his. It was really, it was really interesting because this man here, he almost went to the point of, like he was going to spit on me. That's how bad it was, because I, because of the Lord, the testimony, and just a, he just had that much aggravation against the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, my point was this: after I got done and getting maligned by that guy, okay, I was rejoicing. I felt that I could understand this a little bit better when, when I was reflecting upon what happened to me in the in the shop that day. Uh, that I was rejoicing that I was I was that the Lord allowed me to get the word out to this gentleman. In fact, the, the, the one, one of his buddies that was standing next to him, I can't think of his first name, but his last name was Raider, and he came up to me later on and he said, John, he goes, you know what? He goes, what you said to Ron, I think that Ron was the fellow that was a nasty fellow. He said, um, you know, that really st- struck my heart because you know what? Because uh, somehow, some, way, some somehow, some way, um, abortion got involved with the tech, with the conversation. I don't know how it did, I don't remember how it did, but he told me later on in that, in that conversation, and he said, "John, I found out after I was born and several years down the road that my mom and dad confessed that they were they were going to abort me and abort uh, I don't know if his sister or whatever so uh, he he started crying in front of me. I don't know if the man ever got saved or not, but I can tell you one thing it, 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 I was rejoicing then too that God allowed me to at least that that God allowed." that God allowed his word to get out into those, and, and pierce those people's hearts. And that's, that's what you and I do, rejoice. And uh, so God is looking for fruit in your life and fruit in other people's lives. And uh, the word, let's go back to James chapter 5. He says there in verse number, where am I at here? Uh, verse number 11. To the end of the Lord, that this is verse number the end of uh, verse 11, the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender Mercy. The end of the Lord there, it has the idea, the word end is telos. It has the idea to set out for a definite point or goal. Properly, uh, the point aimed at is as a limit. That is the conclusion or act or state. That means that <clears throat> when God takes you through a trial or tribulation or suffering, He has a point out ahead of you that is going to be the END, the end. Okay? The ends to so trust the Lord that he has an end I don't know what that ends going to be you don't know what that ends gonna be for look at the Apostle Paul I mean he, the, the scripture is silent on his thorn in the flesh What was the last thing that done, when he came down the tracks he was what executed his head chopped off now I don't know whether that was if he was suffering with his thorn in the flesh until that point I don't know but I can tell you this that God had an end in sight <clears throat> Excuse me, for the apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh it may have been his execution but nonetheless God has an end in sight okay he has an end in sight end of the Lord and um, I like that very where it says about being very pitiful it has extremely compassionate and this is one of the things we need to consider here in the book of Job if we go through the whole thing and that is that God's ways God is a good God, and God is an extremely compassionate God. I don't know what you may be going through today. I don't know. You don't know what I'm going through today. But we all go through trials and tribulations and sufferings. And you know what? God's ways are extremely compassionate. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he is going to care for you. And he's going to be very pitiful and very compassionate of you. Time is it? 10-12 See, this is a struggle for a teacher man. When to end the thing? Because if I was in a regular lesson, I'd continue on. But <laughs> it's ten at twelve, and you guys have been very, 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 uh, very patient, patient with me. I like that. You know, your suffering, your suffering is just about over. I like that. All right, all right. That's that, that's. I'm gonna stop right there for today. Because I can go into I was going to go into Hebrews, and talk about a little about our Lord in Hebrews chapter 12, where uh, he, if you remember, where it talks about the Lord that He endured the cross, despising the shame, and so forth. Our Lord went through suffering and trials as well, and uh, just I leave you this, with this word, and that is this. fruit fruit because if you read the book of Hebrews chapter 12 you'll find out it talks about the chastening of the lord and the chastening goal that the lord brings into our life the nurturing child upbringing so forth is to have if we're exercised by the god's chastening and his the things that he brings into our life it should bear fruit you know i was think, i was reminded this week in Matthew chapter 5, in the, what are, it's, it's not the similitudes, it's the Beatitudes. At the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus said in Matthew 5, I think it's verse 10 and 11 and 12, something like that. Jesus said that blessed are the persecuted because they will see the kingdom, okay? And it's, a, it's very interesting to me that right after the Beatitudes, the very first verse that Jesus talks about is that ye are the what of the earth? Salt. Maybe God through the trials and sufferings that he brings into your life and my life wants us to be a little bit saltier. You understand what I'm saying? Because like that missionary, when we talk about missionary here, missionary purpose, you know, maybe God wants you to be a little bit saltier in this world. Because this world out here is going to hell in a handbasket. And sin is abounding. Uh, You wouldn't believe it. You see what's going on in our country today? It's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Maybe God is trying to wake us up as Christians to be a little bit more saltier in this world. All right? So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for today. Thank you for your word and the challenge of it. And, Father, each one of us have to give an account to you one day. And, Lord, I pray... And we'll be getting into, that, God willing, um, to the testimony and the testimony of God Himself, of Job Himself. And Lord, if if you were to write a book on our each one of our lives, what would it say? What would it say, John? Da 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 da. Ellipsis. Ellipsis. Whatever. Or whomever. I'm not going to name people here in the, in the church. But if you wrote a testimony of us in a book, what would it be? I pray that you'd help us to be salty individuals, salty Christians in this world that is decaying right before our very eyes. And Lord, give us courage and spines to confront the world and confront those around us that do not know you as Savior. And indeed, to share the gospel and have spines and for me and myself to have courage to share I pray. Bless our day, Father. May you bless those that have been brought up in prayer. and Watch over them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.